all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. We also want to thank our latest national sponsor, Veteran Lending Council. It is a community dedicated to educating lenders, realtors, and veterans on the VA Home Loan Benefit Program. You can check them out on Facebook and other social media outlets. We want to welcome to Veterans Radio, John Spencer. John is a U.S. Army Major retired. Um, He is the chair of the Urban Warfare Studies at uh, the Modern War Institute at West Point. He is a world's leading expert on urban warfare. He's uh, got a new book coming out uh, called Connected Soldiers, Life, Leadership, and Social Connections in Modern War. John, welcome to Veterans Radio. Well, thanks for having me. What an honor. Well, we're thrilled to have experts like you come on. You have over 25 years worth of uh, Army experience, and you've done a couple of combat tours in Iraq, both as an infantry platoon leader and a company commander. Um, So we're bringing somebody to veteran radio listeners here who has uh, on-the-ground experience and is a bit of a brainiac. You know, so, John, use simple words so that I can understand them. Uh, I'm an old infantryman. It's going to be very simple. Well, that's why we have the sound pushed up. You can't hear anything. Yeah. (laughs) So let's start with this. You know, you you spent uh, now over 25 years in military service, and you learn a lot of lessons um, through that if you, you know, pay attention and that's kind of led to some views that you have on how to effectively build teams in uh, ways that overcome distractions. Tell us sort of, hey, why did you have to write this book? Because it takes a lot of work. So, you, it, you know, there, there was something itching in you to get out. Absolutely. Um, so I wrote the book over years. It took me a while to write it. 
And it's really a memoir of comparing my time in 2003. So I was a part of the invasion in Iraq. And when I went to that, went to war, I jumped in a part of uh, the 173rd out of Italy. It was very much what I thought war would be, you know, a band of brothers experience, um, not connected to the to, to home. You're writing letters on cardboard. You're uh, forming these bonds, which you you like you said, I'm a geeky academic, so I weave in kind of the history of war that we know and why soldiers fight. Um, and the overwhelming answer through studies of many armies and many wars is that they fight for the people to their left and right. Well, as I, you know, I joined the army as a kid out of high school, and I, I quickly learned that that is absolutely true. And then I went to combat and I learned like all the things that we believe in the books and the reading the movies, it's all true about for, forming these cohesive small teams where soldiers are willing to die for each other because they're friends and they love each other. But what I also learned is that that doesn't just happen. So it's, it's actually the research shows that like I experienced that that happens when you not only experience hardship together, but you spend a lot of time together. So I went back to war in 2008 for another combat deployment and the world had changed, not just the war in which I was fighting, um, so as Baghdad was unraveling this civil war, but we were all connected to home. Writing letters was gone. Every night you could come home from whatever had happened in, in the battle or on your daily patrol, and you could reach back to home and talk to your loved ones and your families. So as I you know, kind of went even more academic later in my career at West Point and watching cadets on their phone, I started to think about how the big difference between my first deployment and my second as the world changed and military is just reflections of society and how that was impacting this ability to form these connections like the band of brothers you know if you're spending more time talking back home but there's also you're also learning about home unlike you could before and homes learning about war like we all can do now like in ukraine we can watch the war in in, in real time um, and it really culminates for me as a you know military families experience military service with their service person. When I retired in 2018, I stayed home with our three kids, and my wife went off to war. So now I was on the other end of that. So that's connection. 10 years later, 10 yeah. years after your second tour in Iraq, and you're going, wow, social media, this, you know, telephones and smartphones and the world's really changed. How does it feel 10 years later when you're the person at home, the anchor at home? Yeah. So I, I tried to approach it and this is the kind of the comedy, of course, that's the, I thinking I knew better, wanted to protect my wife from all the stresses of home and my wife being the super soldier that she is. She wanted none of that. She wanted to know everything that was happening at home, every trial and tribulation of small kids and whatever it was and i was trying to Let, let's face it. it she didn't trust you yeah right <laughs> uh so but there's and i dealt with this as a company commander right so i would never have imagined being at war and then finding out you know that a soldier's girlfriend is overdosing on medications and he needs to stay off the, the patrol to deal with it because there is this immediate access to what's going on at home, um, that's the world that we will fight wars in in the future. And we're only seeing on steroids in, in the Ukraine today is this 
that the line between home and front or the, the, the battlefront or war, whatever word you want to use, is gone. There is no divide between your, the population, the families, and the soldiers fighting the wars for whatever reason the war that's, that's really, um, in a nutshell, what you're writing and thinking this through has brought you to, which is that, that line's dissolved, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's gone. I mean, it literally, you can try to control it if you wanted to, like take everybody's phones, take everybody's self, you know, tablets, everything. That's just not the way the world works anymore. There's more, you know, in Africa, there's more cell phones than there are toilets. There's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just not the way the world is today. So there's the big question for you as a, as a both military leader and, a, and, a, and an academic thinking about this is, how do you how do you overcome that distraction so that it doesn't impact the team, whether it be in business or worse in the military where it's life and death? How do you overcome the distractions? Exactly. And that's what I tried to do in my book is try to show and I made lots of mistakes, but show the things that I did, especially in 2008 when we were for many reasons we we're a failing organization. Um, I had to bring everybody back together but we've done things in the military that we all know work right like eating together uh spending sleeping together in small you know getting to know each other those, those things lead to this cohesion that then translates into combat effectiveness now where the research is kind of wonky is that there is a difference between task cohesion as in the whole group agrees on what the job is and we can only do it together and we only accomplish it if we do it together and some People will say that task cohesion is more important than social cohesion. Like, I, I got to love you. I got to like you. I got to – in the military, I think that's reversed, but they're both important. So as a leader, you had to you had to identify priorities, uh, and this, this thing about cohesion had to be one of my top priorities in everything that I was doing. And um, you talk about what stuff that worked and didn't work, and I think that's – part of how the book becomes impactful is when you kind of get real and talk yes. about the things that don't work. So many people, oh, I'm only going to tell you about all the good stuff, but it's it's important to talk both ways, isn't it? Absolutely. You have to, I mean, you, I, I think I appreciate that, that that was the point of doing this through a memoir, through my own experiences on showing my mistakes, showing the, the real world challenges. It's not I didn't want to romanticize everything. I wanted to put it all in there. Um, even the stresses I was facing as a leader, which is a part of the team, and how, the things that I needed to do to control all of that. You know, you're not going to control everything, but it's really important about prioritizing what's most important. And there are, uh, and you talk about sort of, there are benefits to this uh, blurring of the line or, or, or disintegration of the line. Uh, with social media. Um, talk a little bit about the benefits. Sure. So absolutely. You know, even when I was in 2003 with no connection, we all wanted to talk to home. Like we yearned for a phone call or to receive a message. Um, that's human nature. And, and that we, well, that's what COVID really taught us, right? So COVID taught us that we're not these, we can't just totally con- disconnect from our families and our our societies and our communities and our groups because that's not the way that humans work uh yes you can do it for a short amount of time because you have to but that's what i had to 
to experience in 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 war was that uh, there is benefits and people do want to talk to their loved ones and and that there's huge benefits of that and i watched that through my kids you know small kids that wanted to talk to mom and that ability to talk to her daily was was important and, 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 and important to her or important to the service member deployed as well. I mean, that that absolutely that boost goes absolutely. both to the so kids, that, but to the parent as well. Yeah. So I got that a lot you know, recently with Ukraine about morale. Right. So troops morale is so important. And it is such an important part of the equation on the will to fight. Sometimes people will replace morale with what they're actually mean is cohesion and, and, and other things. But morale is that that feeling that, of, uh, which goes up and down and there's all kinds of things that can lift it. But of course, hearing from your loved ones um, is a huge boost to soldiers' morale. We know that mail has always been a, in messages and, and you know, all of that that comes from that. But it's a double-edged sword, right? So you're going to receive bad messages. And that's what I was experiencing in, in 2008. We, we did in 2003 too. They were just, there was a time lapse between an event and soldier on the mission, uh, which is important. But this is a challenge for, I think, everybody in the way. So whether you're a pro sports team and you, you're trying to give a motivational speech in a locker room and somebody's on their cell phone, there, there is an aspect of knowing when people are in their virtual environment and when they need to be connected. In order to form the connections that matter most, there are moments when, okay, we have to be together as a team in this family at this moment. Yeah, I think that's an important point to drive home to folks that, you know, there's got to be time for both. But there is time when you just have to put down, turn over, don't look at the the smartphone and the social media. Um, I want to ask about an issue because you have this unique uh, position of both being a active military member who's been deployed, but now uh, as a retired, <laughs> um, having a spouse go off on a deployment. Um, talk a little bit of what you saw in terms of women in battle and the role that, uh, you know, women soldiers end up playing and, and how that impacts the team. Yeah. So it's, it's every team is made up of a complex social structure and there are norms and there are, uh, history of what that team does or doesn't do. And I, even in 2003, we had female medic embeds into our units. And it, every individual is an, an important thing. I grew up, you know, 25 years as an infantryman, ranger, um, just not with female soldiers, not because of anybody. It was just not, a, at the time, not a part of it. I have, from day one, been a firm believer of full integration, as in, every soldier performs the job, then th- there, there are no barriers. I taught at the U.S. Army's Ranger School, and um, the amount of female soldiers that have made it through that school and are have proven themselves to be extreme warriors, I would fight with them any day. But now, you know, of course, being a retired guy, watching my wife, um, from, we actually met in combat. We met in Iraq. Uh, and then later, you know, dated and everything. But um, it, it is complex, just like any organization that has longstanding beliefs and all that. But that's why leadership is so important, and it has been from day one. It, um, our militaries are 
are so unique as in they're you you know they bring together so many walks of life so many races religions and now sexes uh that you know of course there there are challenges but they they figure it out to be this fighting formation which i'm extremely proud of and still am because i still work with them. well as you mentioned it's complex and i think we have to the book explores the complexity and and we're talking to uh uh, Major U.S. Army Major John Spencer Retard, who, who's written Connected Soldiers, Life Leadership, and Social Connections in Modern War. It's coming out on, on the Potomac Book uh, imprint. It is complex, John, and we can't expect a single answer to solve all these problems, whether they are teams in the military or teams in the business world. Um, and, and I think that's that complexity is also what makes you 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 a uh, overall better organization, isn't it? Absolutely, diversity in thoughts, in um, experiences of that individual. If it's problem solving or you name it, absolutely, it makes you even more powerful. When you're um, just like I talk about in the book, the world changes, and so does organizations have to change. You can't hold on to some you know everything, and some things you have to remember why you're doing them. And that's why you know I, I point out like some of these things that we know, and I still do it. Even we do it in our family, like like I was talking about with the connections. We we have dinner together as much as possible because it is such a formative time where you're 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 talking to each other that sometimes gets lost as things. You know, the pace of the world increases. Yeah, and, and uh, I want to I want to come to another part of your specialty, if you will. Um, uh, as I said, uh, uh, you know, uh, kind of smiling in my voice. Hopefully, John's a bit of an egghead. Um, he has his uh, Master's of Policy Management from Georgetown University. He's Chair of the Urban Warfare Studies at the Modern War Institute at West Point. He's host of the Urban uh, Warfare Project uh, podcast. So, John, you mentioned a little bit about Ukraine and how we're watching some of this uh, play out in real time, and it has a lot of impacts and connections to to your work and studies, including that 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 cohesiveness and the morale and the social media influence and how it uh, relates to um, motivating the Ukraine troops in a different way than it's motivating the Russian troops. So, as you watch the nightly news and what's going on in Ukraine. As somebody with uh, an emphasis on urban warfare studies, what lessons are we learning? Wow, there's so there's so many because this is the biggest thing since World War II that's ever happened. The biggest battles, the biggest war um, on on multiple levels. It, it it really is the biggest thing since World War II and threatens the global international order. As an urban warfare scholar, student, researcher. Um, so I just returned less than two weeks ago from going into Ukraine as a, you know, as an you know, egghead, as you say, uh, to study the battle. I'm smiling when I say that. It's with respect. <laughs> no, I, I'm I just trying to relate. Really I'm yeah. relating to all the enlisted guys for you. Yeah, I, I started off enlisted. I mean, I, I definitely. Uh, in, so going, I went into to talk to the fighters to understand how this very small force that was only supposed to last three days in the biggest battle for a country that's happened in, in a very long time in Kiev at the beginning of this war, how they defeated Russia, right? They're one of the biggest militaries, supposed to be so powerful. 
Um, I think that role of morale and information, access to information was was critical because it was the less than a brigade, the less than 3,000 actual military forces were in this capital city of over 3 million at the time Russia invaded. And Russia came, they came hard, they came fast. But in the urban terrain, there are so many advantages to being, to understanding the environment, it's being your city. Um, and what the Ukrainians did was one, every civilian that was of able body or had had prior military service grabbed the weapon which they had established a system of a, kind of like an armory within communities, grabbed the weapon and met the Russians in their streets. Uh, and there's, there are things they did that were very interesting, and I'll write about them now, like flooding their own rivers and blowing their own bridges so that they would funnel the Russians into these kill zones that then would be met with not just a few Ukrainian military forces with, with you know, nice weapons, but to be met with hundreds of Ukrainian civilians. So there's a bunch of smaller battles where the Russians just get destroyed. But it's but through motivated military and civilians willing to fight for freedom, to right, not to live under dictatorship. Well, I think the interesting part to the kind of the social media and the electronics part is how this guy, this this comedian who became president, is is it's putting out daily messages from, I don't need a ride, I need bullets. Um, you name the quote that are like Churchill, George Washington level uh, inspiration, which is great, but then it gets fed to millions of people through their cell phones. I mean, there's, there's a, a battle in Ukraine called the Battle of Mariupol, which is like almost like our bastone with, with, with the general answering nuts to the, to the Nazis. Um, they were able to talk to the president almost every day in this besieged city for like two months. That's the level of kind of change we see, this ability to dominate information and motivate your troops, not just with you know, messages going down the chain of command like we're used to, but um, you know, these messages like Snake Island. As a you know, kind of an academic, I know that sometimes these stories and these messages are more important than bullets. To raise your troops' morale, to keep people fighting, uh, and that's what we've seen. It really, the Ukrainians taught the Russians a masterclass of what Russians used to be good at, which was information warfare. Well, and, and as a uh, you know, sort of an artillery guy, you got to be watching this and saying, you know, the Russian approach to use of its artillery and uh, its view of urban fighting is blow up every damn building in town much different than what kind of occurs or occurred in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan where it wasn't complete destruction it was more block by block there seems to me at least that, like a big difference there huge difference yeah absolutely I mean the huge difference is that Russia which is it's just it's just crazy will not follow a single law of war I mean from complete genocide of prisoners of war from civil, grabbing civilians off the street and tying their hands, but absolutely in their approach to urban warfare. And they just captured a city this week, a city of 100,000, and they destroyed 90% of the buildings. That's that's historic because they don't, they they, they will bomb with no care to if, if there's even possibility of there being enemy in those buildings, which is not what the laws of war that we follow, the, the U.S. military, although you know, all wars, there's no bloodless war, and it's very destructive in urban terrain. 
But I can tell you, we're shooting at, we were shooting at enemy forces, like confirmed locations. Well, Russians will, will really do things that we said never again, like carpet bombing. Just They're actually targeting civilians to cause the other side to have to deal with civilian casualties. Like taking a theater with kids written in giant letters all around the theater, and then they bomb that theater just to cause a, a catastrophe for the, the people they're fighting to deal with. Yeah, it's, it's a unique, um, disturbing, informative that we're watching this in real time with drone coverage and uh, all sorts of things. So you can actually watch it for yourself and instead of being maybe uh, filtered by uh, what the media wants to show you. Uh, I suspect that you're going to have to rewrite the uh, syllabuses at urban warfare studies uh, in the coming years after, after all of this, uh, John Spencer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what? So we're a part of this fight for sure. I mean, this is a fight for democracy, but uh, Russia is also showing all its cards, right? So of course, everything is going to be updated. Russia isn't as strong as we thought they were in all kinds of capabilities, from electronic warfare to robotics to artillery. So yeah, of course, we're going to rewrite. Um, but as an urban guy, I also say oh, this is the strongest point in modern history where. All roads lead to urban. Where are they fighting over? The urban terrain. We better get good at urban fighting um, against people like this this evil regime. And if and uh, protecting uh, urban areas, I, I think that's maybe where the big miss is here. There's maybe not enough protection around urban areas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the best offense is a good defense. Well, we're glad that uh, uh, U.S. Army Major John Spencer. Um, a professor, a thinker, chair of the Urban Warfare Studies, uh, has had a little time to talk to us here on Veterans Radio. I think you've given us insight into this change on social connections as well as sort of what you're seeing uh, out of U- Ukraine. John, I really appreciate uh, the extra time that you've given us. If people want to know more about what you're thinking, what you're writing, uh, where you're going, what's a good way for them to, to stay connected with you? Sure. So that's ironic. My book is called Connected Soldiers. But yeah, to stay connected with me, I have a website called johnspenceronline.com. I'm big on Twitter as as, uh, at SpencerGuard and really all over the social media, which is ironic because the book's about about (laughs) that. (laughs) Well, it, it all ties back together, and I'm glad we could do that. John, again, thanks for spending a little time with us today. Thanks so much. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fossone. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, You are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, nvbdc.org, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, 
the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettle's chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan, VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor, and the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. And the Veterans Lending Council, which advises lenders, realtors, buyers about VA Home Loan Program, and you can find them on Facebook. We appreciate all your support. You can go to veteransradio.net, click on the sponsor level, and continue to support keeping Veterans Radio on the air. And until next time, you are dismissed.